Welcome to another edition of the Evan Roberts Podcast. Hi, I'm Evan Roberts. This is the instant reaction to the WWE Extreme Rules pay-per-view, which ended seconds ago. Um, I was entertained, I admit. Now, there's a lot of things that have confused me about this event I just watched. A lot of things that I would have done differently. But, and here's the ultimate key. A, I was entertained, and B, it wasn't predictable. I mean, that's re- to me, if I have to give you a theme about what I watched tonight, a lot of it was very unpredictable from the match order, which, I mean, the intercontinental title main evented the event. I may not be a fan of that, but you have to admit that's a surprise to Roman Reigns losing cleanly. That was quite a surprise to a few other things. Not necessarily good. I want to start at the end. I want to start at the main event because It just finished. The idea of the Intercontinental Championship main eventing a pay-per-view that also featured a WWE Championship match is still something that's very difficult to wrap my head around because the only other event I could think of where the IC title main evented a pay-per-view was the British Bulldog Bret Hart thing from SummerSlam, and that was very different. That was a special circumstance. That was Wembley Stadium, the Bulldogs, the hometown hero. The main event should have been that, because if you remember, the WWE title was on the line at that SummerSlam, and it was Ultimate Warrior Macho Man, and they didn't even give you a clean winner. So I think they realized there's no way that could be the main event, especially considering most of the people at Wembley Stadium wanted to see the British Bulldog. So... When that main event did, it makes sense. I mean, when you think back at it, it makes perfect sense. It, it would almost be sacrilegious to think of that not being the main event, and it was a great wrestling match. Now, was this Iron Man match a great wrestling match? It was good. It was very entertaining. Uh, the problem I have, and trust me, I understand this whole thing is scripted, <laughs> you know, for anybody listening for the first time, and part of what makes wrestling great is that it's scripted, because unlike the MMA where... You never know how the ending is going to go, and if it's going to be entertaining, the WWE will script it to make it dramatic. So when you had Seth Rollins applying the curb stomp to Dolph Ziggler with five seconds to go in a quote-unquote tie game, and now he's racing the clock, and you knew. As soon as he hits that curb stomp tie game, seven seconds to go, whatever it is, to me there was no doubt the clock was expiring. I thought he would get the pinfall a little bit quicker so that it was like he starts it at two, so he's a second off. He didn't get the pinfall until the clock was basically expiring. But you knew, you could see it coming, that they were going to plan it out that way. But the realism factor thing kind of bothered me in this. So here's a 30-minute match, okay? 30-minute Iron Man match. Back in my day, the Iron Man match would be 60 minutes. And it's true, it was. But now our attention spans are so quick, we can't deal with a 60-minute Iron Man match. And I get it. I understand that. I wanted the event to end before midnight, let alone 11. So I understand why they couldn't have a 60-minute Iron Man match. But they do this 30-minute Iron Man match. And if normally Rollins is facing Ziggler, they'd fight for 22 minutes. There'd be a ton of really close three counts, but there wouldn't be one until the end. In this case... We had seven, seven. Now, granted, one of them or two of them was a DQ. I think one of them was a DQ. But seven pinfalls or six pinfalls in 15 minutes. What? That's not realistic. Come on now. 
And I knew it was going to happen because I mentioned the attention span of all of us. Well, they figure, hey, to keep everybody entertained for 30 minutes, they've got to give you a bunch of pinfalls. And they went, went with the route of Rollins going up early, which, okay, fine. You, you kind of figure, all right, well, Dolph's going to come back. He's going to take the lead. He's the heel. So Seth goes up 3 nothing. They do the whole DQ thing with Drew McIntyre, who everybody loves. Monzo tells me all the time, producer of Mike's on McIntyre is a main eventer. And I watched his main event, was it last week or two weeks ago, when he made evented against Seth. And I, I agree. I see it. I may not be as gung-ho as everybody else, but I see it. I can see how he can be a star if used correctly. So they kind of get him involved in this main event a lot by DQing it up. The, the thing I couldn't get past during this match, and I'm sure there are some people listening who probably loved it, do I really need to hear the crowd counting down from the, let's say it's 27 minutes and 10 seconds, counting down every minute from 10 seconds on as if it's the Royal Rumble. Do, do I need that? Because the first time I heard it, I got confused. The first time I heard it, I said, what are they counting towards? What am I missing? Am I not paying attention? Then they would do it every minute, and they would imitate the buzzer from the Royal Rumble. So you'd hear, five, four, three, two, one. And... And I think the first couple of times I was, I wouldn't even say I was entertained, but okay, I get it. It happened every freaking minute until this match ended. Every time, every freaking time they're down at that minute mark. They're counting it down and imitating the Royal Rumble. The match overall was very entertaining. When Angle comes out to say, hey, we're going to keep this thing going, I kind of figured, all right, maybe he's going to give us another five, ten minutes because it is still early. I was a little surprised how quickly it ended. They got McIntyre back involved, so they'll continue Rollins feuding with these guys. I, I was waiting, I guess like a lot of people, for, for Dean Ambrose to somehow get involved. That kind of swerve at the end. You know, Ambrose comes back. Everybody thinks he's helping Rollins, and he actually turns on Seth Rollins, which... Would have been interesting. It would have been different. It would have started something new instead of what looks like is going to be continuing this. Uh, probably with McIntyre a little bit more involved. So this is like Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, but then Diesel starts to get more involved. And it starts to become more of a Diesel-Razor Ramon feud. Is that Does that comparison even work? I don't know. Everybody loves to compare Dolph Ziggler to Shawn Michaels anyway, so I may as well go for it. I, I don't know if anybody else thought about this, but but earlier in the day, it was announced that Hulk Hogan, the immortal Hulk Hogan, has been reinstated into the WWE Hall of Fame. I, I want to spend a few minutes on that and how it impacted this entire pay-per-view, because oddly it did, and then I'll get back to some of these matches, what I liked, what I didn't like. So this had been rumored for a while that the WWE and Hulk Hogan were going to get back together, right? They were, were going to have another marriage. And... To me, as bad as something can ha- as bad as something can be, and in Hulk Hogan's case, it was leaked tapes, a sex tape, and then the tape of him saying racist things. As bad as all that can be, when you insult our intelligence by taking someone out of the Hall of Fame, 
that kind of rubs me the wrong way. All right, Hulk Hogan is one of the greatest of all time. He may not be the greatest human being of all time. He may have done this. He may have done that. He may have done this. You may not even want to put him on WWE TV, and that's completely fine. I will never tell them they have to put him on WWE TV. But the whole idea that they took him out of the Hall of Fame and now put him back in is beyond stupid. I know it's wrestling, and the Hall of Fame is basically what Triple H and Vince McMahon want it to be. I get it. They kept Bruno Sammartino out of the Hall of Fame for decades. I understand all that. But when I have to see this press release or whatever it is, Hulk Hogan's back in the Hall of Fame. Really? Yeah. Because in our minds, we forgot about everything Hulk Hogan ever accomplished because you were mad at him. Now, the reason why this specter followed this entire pay-per-view, and maybe I was joking in my mind half the time, but because Hulk Hogan tweets out an hour or two before the event that he was in the locker room and he's, you know, whatever he tweeted, but basically he's there, your mind starts to say, is Hulk Hogan going to do something? Is Hulk Hogan going to do something at this pay-per-view? Because what says Hulk Hogan more than extreme rules? What says Hulk Hogan more than a pay-per-view that's basically created with an eye on the history of ECW? But things don't have to necessarily make sense. So as I'm watching the event, my mind is trying to tell me about all the different things Hulk Hogan could possibly do. So I'm watching AJ against Rusev, and I'm thinking, oh, maybe, maybe Rusev's going to win, right? And he's going to be anti-America, and then, and then feel America's going to come off. And, you know, AJ Styles is going to tell Hogan, you know, go out and get him, go out and get him. And then Hogan's going to challenge Rusev immediately for the WWE title, you know, WrestleMania 9 style. And Hogan's going to, you know, end the night as WWE champion. I know it would never happen, but that's popping in my mind. Then I'm thinking, <laughs> what's going to happen? Is he going to, you know, the one title, brother, I've never challenged for is the Intercontinental title. Let me correct myself. He actually did challenge for the IC title at WrestleMania 6, title for title. But, uh, you know, brother, I need that IC title. So I'm thinking that. And I swear to God, when Kurt Angle came out to say, hey, we're going to keep this match going, I started thinking, and the only way to really ensure we get a true winner is special guest referee Hulk Hogan. So this entire pay-per-view, I'm, I'm telling you, even when the Bludgeon Brothers started beating the crap out of Kane and Daniel Bryan, I started thinking, maybe Hulk Hogan's going to come out. Maybe Hulk Hogan is going to help Daniel Bryan. I'm an idiot. No, I admit that. I'm, I'm an idiot. And, I, and by the way, I wasn't hoping for any of this to happen, okay? I love Hulk Hogan. I have great respect for everything he did for the business. He was my first favorite wrestler, like most of... Uh, everyone listening, I love the Hulkster. Looking back on Hulk Hogan, I actually hate him now. Because of the WWE Network, you get to go back and watch old matches and old angles. Looking back at the whole thing with Macho Man Randy Savage, oh my God, I so would have been a macho guy. Because clearly, I mean, it's obvious Hulk Hogan is going after Elizabeth. I mean, it's obvious. You look at her with lust in your eyes. I know. I, I don't have good Hulk Hogan and Macho Man imitations. But... You look back at even the Royal Rumble in 1992. I mean, what a douche. What a douche. The guy gets eliminated, so he needs to pull out Sid Justice? Come on now. Well, WrestleMania 4, he's got to steal the spotlight from Macho Man, and obviously WrestleMania 9, we just 
got into it. I mean, that was real life Bret Hart being pissed off at him. So I loved Hulk Hogan as a kid, but looking back on him, I mean, what he really was a douche. You know, think about it. He really was. Was he really the all-American hero? Anyhow, I digress. The point is, I was thinking about Hulk Hogan the entire night. And, you know, it all, truthfully, I don't really want them to do anything with Hulk Hogan. Um, WWE to this day, they love talking about their history more than they ever did. But they like to take away certain things from their history. And that leads me to something that I don't really understand. So Bobby Lashley is taking on Roman Reigns. And yes, like everybody listening, I'm so happy it wasn't the main event. Nobody needed to see Roman Reigns main eventing another pay-per-view. And and truthfully, why would this main event the pay-per-view? What's on the line? If you're telling me the winner is fighting Brock Lesnar for the universal title, fine, main event it. I could live with it. I, I wouldn't pick it to be my main event, but I'd be okay with it main eventing. So... Roman Reigns in the buildup, and this wasn't on the event tonight, even though they showed it. This was from Raw. Roman Reigns starts explaining to everybody who who Bobby Lashley is, and he says, hey, Bobby Lashley left WWE. He walked out, and oh, yeah, he main evented WrestleMania 23. No, he didn't, okay, Roman? He did not main event any WrestleMania, but they make no mention to the fact that the only reason This current president of the United States has hair is because of Bobby Lashley. He defended his hair rights at WrestleMania 23. It was the battle of the billionaires. They ignore its existence. I mean, I've mentioned this once before that I find it really odd how the WWE likes to make believe that the guy who is currently the president of the United States has never been involved in their company. And I understand that there's a lot of people that hate him and there's some people that like him, but why are they so afraid? I, it makes me laugh because it's obvious sometimes. I, I, to me, that's obvious. As a sucker for wrestling history, as a guy that, you know, when they say Bobby Lashley was involved in a, not a main event because it wasn't a main event, but a marquee match at WrestleMania, Don't we all sort of remember what it was? It was hair versus hair, baby. And the current president called him Lindsay. Remember that one? Lindsay against Umaga. The late Umaga, if I'm not mistaken. They don't even want to mention Umaga. The poor guy, they don't want to mention him. But but they'll mention that Lashley beat Vince McMahon for the ECW title. That's important. That needs to be mentioned. Everyone needs to know that. But let's ignore that the guy was involved in the Battle of the Billionaires match at WrestleMania. Anyhow, uh, that match did surprise me. And it's funny because thinking about it now, it really does make sense that Bobby Lashley defeats Roman Reigns. I mean, Bobby Lashley is a big name. They brought him back. I'm sure they want him to have a sustained run here. And for him to lose to Roman Reigns clean in the month of July would not make a lot of sense. It wouldn't. And I know everything is about making Roman look strong, make Roman look strong. But thinking about it, it does make sense that they decided this to have Lashley beat him clean with the spear. But at the time, I I was very surprised. And I just, I don't know if they know what they're doing. And I'm very curious. They, they have made, I will give them credit, Monday Night Raw must watch tomorrow night, not only because the only thing competing with it is the home run derby, but because I got to see what's going on with Brock. And I'll get more into that coming up in a little bit. Let me quickly get to some of these matches. I like the B team. 
I admit, I do. I like the B team. I think that Curtis Axel is very funny. I thought during the post-game interview after they defeated Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy, which I don't like. I don't like those two clowns. I thought he was he was good when he was talking about rainbows. What, what was it again? <laughs> He's like, well, do, do rainbows look pretty? Well, I forgot what he said, but it was funny. Something about Stretch Armstrong going to the moon. And I, I was always a fan of Bo Dallas. I thought that gimmick of Bo leaving was actually pretty good. I know it didn't go anywhere. And by the way, no mention of the connection between Bray Wyatt and Bo Dallas. The crowd was into it. But the broadcast team gave us no mention of that. I like the B team. I think they have a lot of potential. The match was okay. It wasn't anything to write home about. But, hey, let's give them a tag team title run and see what happens. Uh, Again, I want to get to Brock later. So I know right after that is when Kurt Angle came out, gave Brock the ultimatum. I'll get to that in a few minutes. Finn Balor defeats the Constable Baron Corbin. How many times are they going to tell us he's the Constable? I get it. I understand it. He's the Constable. Wait, what is Baron Corbin again? Oh, he's the constable. All right, I want to say this very carefully because I think I can get made fun of from, for what I'm about to say, and I, I don't really care. I think I care about getting made fun of. I get made fun of a lot. It's fine. So Baron Corbin's new gimmick of being the constable, totally fine with it. I mean, they don't have to remind us a million times. My one issue is... He's having a wrestling match, right? He's fighting against Finn Balor. Can he take his shirt off? I I know what you're thinking. Evan needs to see Baron Corbin without his shirt on. You know what? He's wrestling, and he's wrestling in this really nice outfit. Why? Because he's the constable? That doesn't make any sense. Why? He should have wrestling gear. He's still a wrestler. He doesn't have gear anymore. He's going to wrestle in his stupid little outfit? I thought that was dopey. That bothered me the entire match. I'm glad Finn Balor beat him. I've said this before. I think Finn Balor's a star. I don't think they're using him well. Uh, He's not the the demon anymore. God forbid they, they put the face paint on him. They won't put the face paint on Finn Balor, but they put the ridiculous face paint on Jeff Hardy. Is that why they don't put the face paint on Finn Balor anymore? Because Jeff Hardy needs to look like a skeleton? Is that really necessary? It was an okay match, but again, Baron Corbin, get some wrestling gear. Oh, by the way, I don't know if anybody else thought this. So you know how the stereotype of Vince McMahon is that he likes the big wrestlers? He doesn't believe the small guy can win. It's probably why Finn Balor is still in the mid-card. Did anybody kind of get the sense that, okay, so Baron Corbin is the constable for Stephanie McMahon, and the whole angle here was, He was telling Finn Balor he wasn't big enough, as if he's Vince. The whole angle was was an example of how Vince really feels about Finn Balor. I may not be the first one to have said that. If someone else said that, I give you credit. I, I didn't hear you say it, but that was going through my mind. Baron Corbin, the constable, he's the constable. Did you know he's the constable? Did you know what a constable was? The constable. It's the separation of powers. The constable is helping Stephanie kind of get a read on what Kurt Angle's doing. He's the constable. The constable. This is what I love about the WWE. They'll teach you vocabulary. Because did, did everybody know what a constable was? Did you really know? Yeah, You're nodding as if, yeah, I knew. Yeah, sure you knew. You knew what a constable was. Baron Corbin taught you what a constable was. Uh, let me get to the Carmella Oscar match. I hated it. Here's what I hated about it. That freaking 
blonde, old-looking dude who they have to stick in a shark cage. And here's the other thing I do not understand. There is a long history of shark cages being involved in wrestling angles. This goes all the way back to the 80s, and I don't get it. Why? Is it really cool to have a manager or a wrestler or whomever locked in a cage at the top of the, above the ring? Is that really necessary? Remember Undertaker Mankind? They locked Paul Bearer in the cage. My favorite is it was, this must have been on like a regular show. The Big Show fought somebody for the WWE Championship and Triple H was in the shark cage. Uh, there was one recently with the guy who we can't mention anymore, uh, the tag team guy who got accused of really bad things, and then he got cleared, and he's still not in the WWE. What's his name? You know, the realest guy in the room. What's You know who I'm talking about. They did that, too. They put him in the stupid cage. Enough of it. It's not cool. Does anybody really want to see somebody locked in a cage? It takes away from the match, and, and that's the other thing. The women are so good now in the WWE. They really have taken women's wrestling to another level. And I know Ellsworth's getting his ass handed to him by Asuka all the time. They fought back-to-back weeks on SmackDown. But I don't know. It just, I think it brings the women down. I think it doesn't make them look as good as they should look. Enough of James Ellsworth. What is the appeal of James Ellsworth? He's got a, a, a face that makes him look like he's 70 years old. He looks very, very old. I feel bad saying it, but he does. He looks very old. So we have Asuka, who was unbeatable. Nobody could beat Asuka, right? Nobody's ready for Asuka. Okay, fine, she loses at WrestleMania. Totally understandable. Now she keeps losing to Carmella because of that douche. I know I say the word douche a lot. I I don't like to say it on the air. I feel with the podcast that I'm more comfortable using it. Um, I'm not going to say any other really bad words, but he, 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 he is a douche. I mean, it's okay for me to say that. He is. Why is he involved? Enough of this. I said this the last time, the last pay-per-view. I said, why are they getting this guy involved? Why are they getting this guy involved? They're ruining Asuka. They really are. They had Asuka like she was Bill Goldberg of the women, and they are ruining her. Nakamura took on Jeff Hardy for the United States title. And before this event was even over, they wanted to remind us that they're actually going to have a rematch on SmackDown, mainly because they didn't have a match. Because Nakamura, whose new move is to um, low blow people, that's what he does, going back to the whole AJ Styles thing from WrestleMania. See, low blows Jeff Hardy, that was it, kicks him. Ball game over, Nakamura wins. Nakamura wins. I I thought it was... Unfortunate. I thought it was unfortunate. I'm not a huge fan a lot of times of the five-second match. I think sometimes it works. Sometimes it makes sense. I think when Bill Goldberg was at the top of his game, it was okay. Uh, I know they did that a few times with Goldberg in his latest run. But Daniel Bryan, Sheamus, I think that still rubs a lot of people the wrong way from WrestleMania 28, the one in Miami. Mainly because everybody loved Daniel Bryan. I get to how they're screwing him coming up. So we didn't get the match. And Jeff Hardy freaks me out. I mean, he's got enough with the face paint. All right, Jeff, you're not 25 or even 35 anymore. Uh, the big story of the match is that Randy Orton came out, and nobody cared. Nobody cares about Randy Orton anymore. I mean, they. what are they going to do with him? So 
He comes out. It looks like he's going after Nakamura. They turn him heel, which is great. He should be a heel. He's got a face that nobody likes, so you may as well keep him as a heel. He kicks Jeff Hardy in the balls. Poor Jeff Hardy. I mean, think about what he just had. He's got Nakamura doing it to him. He's got Orton doing it to him. Nakamura. Poor Jeff Hardy's never having kids. I mean, you could rule that one out, especially after what happened to him this night. I know it's. I, I know he probably didn't get hit very hard, but you know, just go with it. It's wrestling. So what are they doing with Randy Orton? Is he going to do the same thing he did with Bray Wyatt a few years ago? He's going to say, oh, I'm joining you, Nakamura. We're buddies now. We're evil, ball-hitting buddies. That's what I think they're going to do. <laughs> I think they're going to put Randy Orton and Nakamura together. What a freaking waste that's going to be. They are. They don't know what to do with Randy Orton. You want to know why? Because nobody cares about Randy Orton. Now, let's get to the match. Let's get to the match that most people were into. This was the match most people was ex- were excited about. Uh, maybe not leading into the event, but I think the loudest pops of the night came from Kevin Owens against Braun Strowman. And I loved it. I really did. I thought this was so brilliant because... A lot of times you'll hear me say at the end of a match, hey, what happens to this person now? Oh, I guess they're going to have a rematch. It, it feels as if after a match is over, you don't have a conclusion where both guys can walk away from it in a good spot. I thought both guys walked away from Owen Strowman looking awesome. First of all, Kevin Owens took a mankind-type bunt, uh, bump to end the match. And the match was okay. They were in a cage, and it was all right. It was fine. But... Strowman throwing Owens from the top of the cage. That was the match. It was the match because of how much the crowd ate it up. It was the match because Braun Strowman has the fans in the palms of his hands. And and I went off on this, the last uh, Instant Reaction Wrestling podcast, about how much of a star Strowman has become. And it's, it's sort of surprising in this age how loved he is by fans and how over he is. But he is. It's, it's the reality of what's going on right now. And it's been going on for a while. He throws Kevin Owens off the top of the cage. Owens takes such a great bump and then sells it like a machine. He is a... Kevin Owens is awesome. He is. He's, he's awesome on a lot of levels. And so Strowman throws him off, knows he loses the match. What does he care? He even tweets it later. Oh, I lost the match. Sure I did. So Kevin Owens, KO gets the victory. Strowman looks like the freaking man the crowd loves it you get a historic bump i'm not sure there's going to be documentaries about it the way there has been about mankind the king of the ring 1998 but you know what that was as good it really was that was up there for the kind of bump so Strowman continues to be over like nobody's business and kevin owens walks away from the victory now what they're doing to daniel bryan's a disgrace i mean seriously this guy works his ass off to come back, to make his return. He's back. They stick him into a stupid nostalgia. And who really has nostalgia for Team Hell No? Who has nostalgia for that? Do people really have nostalgia for freaking Kane? Come on. The guy's running for mayor. Let the guy go run for mayor. Let the guy go out and be his you know, political guy. Instead, you have to bring him back. And then what, what did they even do tonight? The Bludgeon Brothers destroy them. Kane's in a boot. Daniel Bryan's trying to battle both of them. Kane comes back. Bryan takes the pinfall. Why? For what reason? 
The only thing you can tell me, and I don't even know if it's true because there's been all these rumors that Daniel Bryan's contract's going to run out and he's going to leave. If they are just biding their time for Daniel Bryan to main event next year's WrestleMania and they're just trying to figure out things he can do to keep him away from the title, I guess that's okay, though I could think of a million better things. But what are they doing with him? He definitely needs a program. Sorry, I held in a burp. He definitely needs a program with The Miz. We all know that. They started that angle a couple of years ago, and it looks like they were continuing it with what was going on on SmackDown. But the Bludgeon Brothers, Daniel Bryan, Kane getting beat up, nah. They're wasting this guy. That le- You know, I was going to lead into what I would do with Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. Let me quickly get to Alexa Bliss against Nia Jax for the women's title. Uh, it was just one giant schmoz. That's all it was. Rousey looks great. She really does. Every time she gets into the ring, she looks like she knows what she's doing. Alexa Bliss retains the title. There's just a lot of craziness going on. All right, let's get to AJ. AJ defeats Rusev, retains the WWE title. Poor AJ Styles. The guy's been champion, having this incredible run. How many times has AJ Styles even main evented a pay-per-view? Not often. I know he, I, I remember he main evented that fast lane pay-per-view when he retained the title against John Cena and four other guys. But outside of that, this poor guy continues to be the best. He continues to be the best. And he never gets that main event spot. And I'm not even suggesting AJ Styles, Rusev, really has that main event feel. But I'm kind of giddy about the fact that maybe they're going to give AJ, and they mentioned tonight or on the event, whenever you're listening, how long his run has been as WWE champion. Do they have the balls to keep the strap on AJ until WrestleMania? Because think about it. He won the title in November of a year ago. He is still champion, and he's fighting all the time. This is not Brock Lesnar's title run, or even, I don't want to take a shot at CM Punk, but a little bit, because remember, CM Punk, and it wasn't his fault, got hurt, what was it, in about November of that run, and they kept him out of really fighting a lot. It wasn't Brock Lesnar, I get that, but they kept him away from fighting a little bit before he finally dropped the title to The Rock. AJ Styles basically fighting every week. And I, I, t- I would sign for that right now. And you know why they should keep AJ as champion until WrestleMania? Because he deserves to be champion until WrestleMania. Who should take the title off of him? I mean, think about it. And that's why I would lead, if this is where they're going, to Daniel Bryan, AJ Styles at next year's WrestleMania. And think about how great that build could be. They keep them separate, and certainly they're keeping them separate now because Daniel Bryan's getting these crap angles. But AJ keeps just beating everybody. You know, give him a new feud every two months, and he beats him, puts on a great match, flat out beats him like he did with Nakamura, like he did with Rusev, like you could do with five other guys. Daniel Bryan wins the Royal Rumble, and we get that match because AJ Styles could have a title run that eclipses a year and a half. And think about it. It should be almost a two-year run because he lost the belt to John Cena, right? What was that, the Royal Rumble? Not this past one, the one before that. Why did he even lose it to John Cena? So John Cena could then promptly lose the title to Bray Wyatt. So Bray Wyatt could promptly lose the title to Randy Orton. So Randy Orton could lose to Jinder Mahal. Are you freaking kidding me? And that's when AJ got the title back. All that was a waste. AJ Styles should still be champion from that moment. From when he beat Dean Ambrose in September of 16. He should still be champion. 
They shouldn't have taken the belt off of him to give it to John Cena, Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton, and Jinder. I hope they do it. I hope they have the guts because very quietly, kind of like Punk. Punk had to do it pretty quietly for a while because they had multiple titles. But quietly, AJ Styles, since November, still WWE champion. I'd love to see him hold on to that title because right now, who should beat him? The answer is nobody. Now we get to this universal title. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what is happening behind the scenes or if this is just some weird script that they've put together where Kurt Angle says, all right, we're going to name a number one contendership match at Extreme Rules. Oh, wait, no, we're not, because Brock Lesnar doesn't want to fight anybody. And then tonight, early on in the show, Kurt Angle basically says, hey, we're going to find out tomorrow. You know, Brock's going to come to Raw, supposedly. He's either going to give up the universal title or he's going to fight. At SummerSlam? (laughs) He better fight at SummerSlam. If Brock Lesnar doesn't want to be here anymore, if this is real, he doesn't want to wrestle anymore, then he's just got to lose to somebody, and they got to get it over with. I was talking to... I was talking to Brian Monzo about this, and I think Monzo even suggested, hey, why not just let Brock leave, make the IC title the main title? No. No, no, no. That's not how wrestling works. You lose the title. You do the honors. This goes back to the Bret Hart screw job in 1997. You do the honors. So I don't know half the time what's real and what's not real with Brock Lesnar. And I was okay with what they did a few years ago when he squashed John Cena, barely showed up, and held the title all the way to WrestleMania. This is getting weird now. He beats Goldberg a year ago, does kind of the same thing. It felt like he wrestled a little bit more a year ago shockingly beats Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. I didn't see that one coming. Beats him again in that controversial Greatest Royal Rumble match, and we haven't seen him since. It's been over a year now with him as champion, and it's very different than what we're describing with AJ Styles. AJ Styles fights every week. I don't know half the time if this is an angle or if Brock Lesnar doesn't want to wrestle. I don't know what the hell's going on. And truthfully, this isn't one of those things where You don't know what's real, and that's a good thing. I don't know if it's a good thing because they ignore the universal title half the time. They mention it occasionally to the point where we're main eventing the IC title at a pay-per-view. Brock's got to be there at SummerSlam, and this thing's got to end. Enough. And we could sit here all day and debate who he should fight and who he should lose to. I've mentioned a million times the idea of Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar again, this time in Brooklyn, is a horrific idea. The crowd is going to poop all over it the way they poop on every Roman Reigns match. The Roman Reigns-Bobby Lashley match tonight was okay. It was fine. It was a solid match. And the crowd's chanting Rusev Day during the middle of it. This is not Cena sucks, let's go Cena, as I mentioned before. The crowd doesn't want to see it, but you know what? They have beaten me down so badly with this Lesnar crap, that just have somebody beat Brock Lesnar at SummerSlam. I don't even care. You know what? It should be Braun Strowman the more you think about it. I'd love for it to be a guy like Finn Balor. I know that's not happening. Just, they got to get the belt off of him because they've done this for a long time now. This has been over a year and a half. Not quite a year and a half, but a year and three months of this. And they did it a few years earlier when Brock had that year run. 
wasn't quite a year run, but it was from SummerSlam to WrestleMania. So it was a decent amount of time. Enough's enough. Crowd's not into it. I don't think the crowd is giving Brock Lesnar the kind of heat for not being there that maybe the WWE wants. He's not there. They're not giving him heat for being a bad person or this or that. He's not there. So I'm curious how they handle it. I I mean, I have to assume he's wrestling at SummerSlam. I can't imagine. And, And by the way, I know kayfabe alert. They strip the title from guys all the time because they don't defend it for 30 days. This guy hasn't defended it for 90 days. Whether that rule doesn't exist anymore, what happened? What happened? So I I am hoping that the next time I do an instant reaction WWE event, it will be SummerSlam. And I am hoping that we are opening with whomever is the next Universal Champion because... This universal title, and I remember when it was first created, and I mocked the name of it. I thought it was really dopey. They have given the universal title a lot of value, okay? Finn Balor was the first champion. Unfortunately, he had to give it up right away. Kevin Owens had a decent run. They gave it to Bill Goldberg, who's a legend, and now this Brock Lesnar run. See, I can name all the universal champions in five seconds because Brock's had it for so long. But I'm curious where they go from here, how they determine a number one contender, because, hey, just ponder this for a second. The two guys that are most likely to face Brock Lesnar for the universal title and take it from him, you would think would be Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman. Well, guess what? They both lost tonight. And I'm not sure that Lashley's the best idea. I know it's fresh. I know you got the whole MMA thing. I I don't know if that's the best idea. I'm not sure the crowd's going to love that match either. Hey, but stay tuned. So good job by the WWE. They didn't bore me to tears tonight. They didn't have this thing go past 11 o'clock. The pre-show, you know, here's the problem. I want to speak like just a real person about this. How many people really can invest three and a half hours on a Sunday night in this? It's tough. It's tough. For example, for an hour and a half of this event, I compromised with my wife. We put on Kimmy Schmidt, you know that Netflix show? It's a good show, Kimmy Schmidt. And I had the wrestling on right next to it. So it was, it was a compromise deal because it's the whole night. This pre-show, I can't, even, I can't even dip my toe into the pre-show. I'll check out the pre-show if I can't sleep tonight or if I can't sleep tomorrow night or, or something. I'll check it out. I'll, I'll see what happened with the New Day and the, what's his name, Eric Young and those crazy people. I'll check it out. But on a Sunday night, it's tough. I mean, three and a half hours is long enough. Is that what it was tonight? Seven o'clock till yeah, around 1030. So it's three and a half hours. That's a long night. Not as long as it's been, but still pretty long night. Overall, I thought the pay-per-view was blah. Uh, kept me entertained at times. But there are a lot of questions moving forward. A lot of questions moving forward. I'm also in a pissy mood because I just managed so badly my Yahoo Fantasy Baseball team. I got really, really greedy. I was trying to win as many categories as I could, and I kept starting pitchers that I shouldn't start, and I kept starting relievers that I shouldn't have put in there, and they all blew up in my face. Now, I won the week, okay? I won 11-5. I shouldn't complain, but I should have won 13-3. That kind of put me in a little bit of a crappy mood. 
But either way, I hope you enjoyed this instant reaction edition of the Extreme Rules WWE pay-per-view. The next podcast you'll hear, I'm very excited about. I'm actually going to be recording it um, very soon, and I will be posting it at some point. You know what? I'm going to give you an official time. I will post it on Friday. So what's Friday's day? Okay, so today is the 15th. That means Monday is the 16th. Tuesday is the 17th. Wednesday is the 18th. July 20th. July 20th at about, let's say, 1 o'clock, right as the midday show ends. I'm going to be posting a podcast that I'm very excited about. I have decided to go out and bring in a fellow podcaster who is going to interview me. I'm giving him the reins, and the interview will be about my experience (laughs) filming private parts. Uh, Everything about it, from what I remember from the audition process to my love to this day for the great Howard Stern, to any backlash I may have faced from the lines I had to utter, the controversial lines I had to utter in that movie. You will find out everything about that experience. We're going to call it the Evan Roberts Podcast Private Parts Edition. So I'm looking forward to recording, and I'm looking forward to kind of going back down on memory lane. Uh, it was a great experience. It was, it was quite an experience. And I got a lot of good stories for you. So that will uh, air, or we'll post it, or we'll drop it on Friday, July 20th. So subscribe to the Evan Roberts Podcast. You know, get all those jewels, like me bitching about the Mets, talking about the Brooklyn Nets, instant reactions to WWE pay-per-views, And someone today on Twitter requested I do a presidential edition. That'll happen. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll figure something something like that out as well. But coming up this week, you will get an extensive interview about my experience doing private parts. Until then, it's been a good time. Remember to check out the Midday Show at 10 a.m. on WFAN. Goodbye, everybody.